0: Chapter One of the Ordeal of Richard Feverel. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Ordeal of Richard Feverel by George Meredith. Chapter One. Some years ago, a book was published under the title of The Pilgrim's Script it consisted of a selection of original aphorisms by an anonymous gentleman who in this bashful manner gave a bruised heart to the world he made no pretension to novelty our new thoughts have thrilled dead bosoms he wrote by which avowal it may be seen that youth had manifestly gone from him since he had ceased to be jealous of the ancients there was a half sigh floating through his pages for those days of intellectual coxcombry when ideas come to us affecting the embraces of virgins and swear to us they are ours alone and no one else have they ever visited and we believe them for an example of his ideas of the sex he said i expect that woman will be the last thing civilized by man some excitement was produced in the bosoms of ladies by so monstrous a scorn of them one adventurous person betook herself to the herald's college and there ascertained that a griffin between two wheat sheaves which stood on the title-page of the book formed the crest of sir austin absworthy byrne feverell baronet of raynham abbey in a certain western county folding thames a man of wealth and honour and a somewhat lamentable history the outline of the baronet's story was by no means new he had a wife and he had a friend his marriage was for love his wife was a beauty his friend was a sort of poet his wife had his whole heart and his friend all his confidence when he selected denzil summers from among his college chums it was not on account of any similarity of disposition between them but from his intense worship of genius which made him overlook the absence of principle in his associate for the sake of such brilliant promise denzil had a small patrimony to lead off with and that he dissipated before he left college thenceforth he was dependent upon his admirer with whom he lived filling a nominal post of bailiff to the estates and launching forth verse of some satiric and sentimental quality for being inclined to vice and occasionally and in a quiet way practising it he was of course a sentimentalist and a satirist entitled to lash the age and complain of human nature his earlier poems published under the pseudonym of Diaper Sando, were so pure and bloodless in their love passages and at the same time so biting in their moral tone that his reputation was great among the virtuous who formed the larger portion of the english book-buying public election seasons called him to ballad poetry on behalf of the tory party Diaper possessed undoubted fluency but did tittle though sir austin was ever expecting much of him a languishing inexperienced woman whose husband in mental and in moral stature is more than the ordinary height above her and who now that her first romantic admiration of his lofty bearing has worn off and her fretful little refinements of taste and sentiment are not instinctively responded to is thrown into no wholesome household collision with a fluent man fluent in prose and rhyme lady Feverel, when she first entered on her duties at raynham was jealous of her husband's friend by degrees she tolerated him in time he touched his guitar in her chamber and they played rizzio and mary together for i am not the first who found the name of mary fatal says a subsequent sentimental alliterative love-poem of diapers such was the outline of the story but the baronet could fill it up he had opened his soul to these two he had been noble love to the one and to the other perfect friendship he had bid them be brother and sister whom he loved and live a golden age with him at raynham in fact he had been prodigal of the excellences of his nature which it is not good to be unlike timon he became bankrupt and fell upon bitterness the faithless lady was of no particular family an orphan daughter of an admiral who educated her on his half-pay and her conduct struck but at the man whose name she bore after five years of marriage and twelve of friendship sir austin was left to his loneliness with nothing to ease his heart of love upon save a little baby boy in a cradle he forgave the man he put him aside as poor for his wrath the woman he could not forgive she had sinned every way simple ingratitude to a benefactor was a pardonable transgression for he was not one to recount and crush the culprit under the heap of his good deeds but her he had raised to be his equal and he judged her as his equal she had blackened the world's fair aspect for him in the presence of that world so different to him now he preserved his wonted demeanour and made his features a flexible mask mrs doria foray his widowed sister said that austin might have retired from his parliamentary career for a time and given up gaieties and that kind of thing her opinion founded on observation of him in public and private was that the light thing who had taken flight was but a feather on her brother's feveral heart and his ordinary course of life would be resumed there are times when common men cannot bear the weight of just so much hippias Feverel, one of his brothers thought him immensely improved by his misfortune if the loss of such a person could be so designated and seeing that hippias received in consequence free quarters at rainham and possession of the wing of the abbey she had inhabited it is profitable to know his thoughts if the baronet had given two or three blazing dinners in the great hall he would have deceived people generally as he did his relatives and intimates he was too sick for that fit only for passive acting the nursemaid waking in the night beheld a solitary figure darkening a lamp above her little sleeping charge and became so used to the sight as never to wake with a start one night she was strangely aroused by a sound of sobbing the baronet stood beside the cot in his long black cloak and travelling cap his fingers shaded a lamp and reddened against the fitful darkness that ever and anon went leaping up the wall she could hardly believe her senses to see the austere gentleman dead silent dropping tear upon tear before her eyes she lay stone still in a trance of terror and mournfulness mechanically counting the tears as they fell one by one the hidden face the fall and flash of those heavy drops in the light of the lamp he held the upright awful figure agitated at regular intervals like a piece of clockwork by the low murderous catch of his breath it was so piteous to her poor human nature that her heart began wildly palpitating involuntarily the poor girl cried out to him oh sir and fell a-weeping Sir Austin turned the lamp on her pillow and harshly bade her go to sleep. Striding from the room forthwith, he dismissed her with a purse the next day. Once, when he was seven years old, the little fellow woke up at night to see a lady bending over him. He talked of this the next day, but it was treated as a dream, until in the course of the day his uncle Algernon was driven home from lowborn cricket ground with a broken leg then it was recollected that there was a family ghost and though no member of the family believed in the ghost none would have given up a circumstance that testified to its existence for to possess a ghost is a distinction above titles algernon feverell lost his leg and ceased to be a gentleman in the guards of the other uncles of young richard cuthbert the sailor perished in a spirited boat expedition against a slaving negro chief up the niger some of the gallant lieutenants trophies of war decorated the little boy's play shed at raynham and he bequeathed his sword to richard whose hero he was the diplomatist and beau Vivian ended his flutterings from flower to flower by making an improper marriage as is the fate of many a beau and was struck out of the list of visitors algernon generally occupied the baronet's disused town-house a wretched being dividing his time between horse and card exercise possessed it was said of the absurd notion that a man who has lost his balance by losing his leg may regain it by sticking to the bottle at least whenever he and his brother hippias got together they never failed to try whether one leg or two stood the bottle best much of a puritan as sir austin was in his habits he was too good a host and too thorough a gentleman to impose them upon his guests the brothers and other relatives might do as they would while they did not disgrace the name and then it was final they must depart to behold his countenance no more algernon Feverel was a simple man who felt subsequent to his misfortune as he had perhaps dimly fancied it before that his career lay in his legs and was now irrevocably cut short he taught the boy boxing and shooting and the arts of fence and superintended the direction of his animal vigour with a melancholy vivacity the remaining energies of algernon's mind were devoted to animadversions on swift bowling he preached it over the county struggling through laborious literary compositions addressed to sporting newspapers on the decline of cricket it was algernon who witnessed and chronicled young richard's first fight which was with young tom Blaze of belthorpe farm three years the boy's senior hippias Beveril was once thought to be the genius of the family it was his ill-luck to have strong appetites and a weak stomach and as one is not altogether fit for the battle of life who is engaged in a perpetual contention with his dinner hippias forsook his prospects at the bar and in the embraces of dyspepsia compiled his ponderous work on the fairy mythology of europe he had little to do with the hope of raynham beyond what he endured from his juvenile tricks a venerable lady known as great-aunt grantly who had money to bequeath to the heir occupied with hippias the background of the house and shared her candles with him these two were seldom seen till the dinner-hour for which they were all day preparing and probably all night remembering for the eighteenth century was an admirable trencherman and cast age aside while there was a dish on the table mrs doris foray was the eldest of the three sisters of the baronet a florid affable woman with fine teeth exceedingly fine light wavy hair a norman nose and a reputation for understanding men and that with these practical creatures always means the art of managing them she had married an expectant younger son of a good family who deceased before the fulfilment of his prospects and casting about in her mind the future chances of her little daughter and sole child clare she marked down a probability the far sight the deep determination the resolute perseverance of her sex where a daughter is to be provided for and a man to be overthrown instigated her to invite herself to raynham wherewith that daughter she fixed herself the other two feveral ladies were the wife of colonel wentworth and the widow of mr justice harley and the only thing remarkable about them was that they were mothers of sons of some distinction austin wentworth's story was of that wretched character which to be comprehended that justice should be dealt him must be told out and openly which no one dares now do for a fault redeemed by him nobly according to his light he was condemned to undergo the world's harsh judgment not for the fault for its atonement married his mother's housemaid whispered mrs doria with a ghastly look and a shudder at young men of republican sentiments which he was reputed to entertain the compensation for injustice says the pilgrim's script is that in that dark ordeal we gather the worthiest around us and the baronet's fair friend lady blandish and some few true men and women held austin wentworth high he did not live with his wife and sir austin whose mind was bent on the future of our species reproached him with being barren to posterity while knaves were propagating the principal characteristic of the second nephew adrian harley was his sagacity he was essentially the wise youth both in counsel and in action in action the pilgrim's scrip observes wisdom goes by majorities adrian had an instinct for the majority and as the world invariably found him enlisted in its ranks his appellation of wise youth was acquiesced in without irony the wise youth then had the world with him but no friends nor did he wish for those troublesome appendages of success he caused himself to be required by people who could serve him feared by such as could injure not that he went out of the way to secure his end or risk the expense of a plot he did the work as easily as he ate his daily bread adrian was an epicurean one whom epicurus would have scourged out of his garden certainly an epicurean of our modern notions to satisfy his appetites without rashly staking his character was the wise youth's problem for life he had no intimates except gibbon and horace and the society of these fine aristocrats of literature helped him to accept humanity as it had been and was a supreme ironic procession with laughter of gods in the background why not laughter of mortals also adrian had his laugh in his comfortable corner he possessed peculiar attributes of a heathen god he was a disposer of men he was polished luxurious and happy at their cost he lived in eminent self-content as one lying on soft cloud lapped in sunshine nor jove nor apollo cast eye upon the maids of earth with cooler fire of selection or pursued them in the covert with more sacred impunity and he enjoyed his reputation for virtue as something additional stolen fruits are said to be sweet undeserved rewards are exquisite the best of it was that adrian made no pretenses he did not solicit the favourable judgment of the world nature and he attempted no other concealment than the ordinary mask men wear and yet the world would proclaim him moral as well as wise and the pleasing converse every way of his disgraced cousin austin in a word adrian harley had mastered his philosophy at the early age of one-and-twenty many would be glad to say the same at that age twice told they carry in their breasts a burden with which adrian's was not loaded mrs dorio was nearly right about his heart a singular mishap at his birth possibly or before it had unseated that organ and shaken it down to his stomach where it was a much lighter nay an inspiring weight and encouraged him merrily onward thrown there it looked on little that did not arrive to gratify it already that region was a trifle prominent in the person of the wise youth and carried as it were the flag of his philosophical tenets in front of him he was charming after dinner with men or with women delightfully sarcastic perhaps a little too unscrupulous in his moral tone but that his moral reputation belied him and it must be set down to generosity of disposition such was adrian harley another of sir Austin's intellectual favourites chosen from mankind to superintend the education of his son at raynham adrian had been destined for the church he did not enter into orders he and the baronet had a conference together one day and from that time adrian became a fixture in the abbey his father died in his promising son's college term bequeathing him nothing but his legal complexion and adrian became stipendiary officer in his uncle's household a playfellow of richard's occasionally and the only comrade of his age that he ever saw was master ripton thompson the son of sir austin's solicitor a boy without a character a comrade of some description was necessary For richard was neither to go to school nor to college sir austin considered that the schools were corrupt and maintained that young lads might by parental vigilance be kept pretty secure from the serpent until eve sided with him a period that might be deferred he said he had a system of education for his son how it worked we shall see chapter one